Hello. Now, some years ago, I was standing in the warehouse on a Sunday morning, getting ready for worship, when I noticed a young lady that I hadn't seen before. And uh, she had a little boy with her, and I, I walked up to her, and I started a conversation, and I asked her how she'd come to Trent Vineyard. Now, it turned out that one Sunday on Mothering Sunday, some flowers had come to her door with a note that said, this is a token of God's love, and uh, it's from Trent Vineyard, and there was a number on it. And she was so touched and she'd heard of Trent Vineyard, so she called the number and it was one of our small group leaders who answered and they engaged in a conversation. And it turned out that she wanted to visit Trent Vineyard and that leader had been bringing her to church ever since. The kindness expressed by that small group uh, giving flowers to mothers on Mothering Sunday and the kindness of a leader that brought her to church meant that she could start her journey with Jesus. Now, this is the kindness that Paul is speaking about in Galatians, and we are in the midst of a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And so, um, let me just read from Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, kindness is what I'm going to talk about today. Now, Steve Shogren uh, was a vineyard pastor in Cincinnati, and he wrote this book called Conspiracy of Kindness. It's a great read, but he makes a link between coming to faith and encountering somebody who expresses kindness to you. And in the opening chapters of the book, he tells a great story of a father and son playing basketball. And um, as they're playing basketball, the boy suddenly expresses, you know, Dad, uh, is there a God? And the father is kind of thinking, how shall I answer this? I'm not sure. When the boy runs inside and he comes out with a helium-filled balloon and on it he writes this, God, if you're real and you're there, send people who know you to dad and me. And he lets the helium uh, balloon go off. Anyway, two days later, the father and son show up to a free car wash. They draw up into the car park, and this is Steve Shogren's church, and Steve happens to wash their car. And as he's washing their car, they ask the question, you know, how come this is free? And, and Steve says, yeah, it's, it's free. And he says, We're, we want to express God, God's kindness in practical ways. And the boy looks at his dad, and the dad looks at the boy, and they say, so are you Christians? And he goes, yes. And he sa they say, the kind of Christians that believe in God, yes. And then the father says, you must, be the you must be the answer to the strangest prayer that God has ever received. And they start their conversations and journey with Jesus. An act of kindness was the answer to this boy's prayer. Now, the world needs kindness. We all benefit from kindness. And in these times, so many of you are showing kindness. Now, showing kindness isn't exclusively something that only Christians do. You know, people who don't follow Jesus express kindness. Even the worst of people express kindness to those they care about. But whilst it's not exclusively Christian to show kindness, we should be known for kindness. We should be known to be kind people. Now, um, as I said, uh, we're talking in the, we're in the midst of a series, I'm talking about kindness, and John started this series um, introducing it by saying that, you know, we can't just force ourselves. We can't, through effort, demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. It's about our closeness to Jesus. As we abide in Him, we then can express these fruits. And so did um, Bernie. She said a similar thing about patience last week. And yet, you know, we find that our journey with Jesus, our closeness to Jesus, the evidence of that walk with Him is that we display the fruit 
of the Spirit, the kindness of Jesus. And personally, I find that the longer I've journeyed with Jesus, the closer I am to him. And especially the times when I do uh, spend time with Jesus, I find that kindness is so much easier, it's so much more natural. And it's as if I'm provoked into kindness. And that's what many of you are, you're provoked into kindness. You know, um, it's just lovely to see the kindness of Jesus shining through people. And you know, this has been such a hard time and it's been hard for all of us in so many different ways. And at times I felt um, frustrated and just the hardship of this season. And then there's been these moments when in those seasons, just in a timely way, something has happened. One of those was um, this handmade card from Helen Powell. Now, she's been with, been with our church for many years. They would normally sit behind us in the church service when we're physically gathered. But Helen never forgets a birthday or an anniversary. And here it came and it reminded me of normality. And it reminded me of how much I love our church. And it lifted me. And then on another occasion, a bag of goodies came in from Armani and, um, Armani and Grace, who I actually don't know that well. I may have met them once or twice. But a bag of goodies with chocolate and a tea bag, some tea bags and, and a candle. And that was just a moment that lifted me as well. And then on another occasion, some flowers anonymously to just thank us for what we're doing and who we are. I could go on, such kindness. One of our vineyard pastors, uh, Alison Bird, she was the pastor of the Cambridge Vineyard and she died um, earlier on this year. And um, just before lockdown, we were at a celebration of her life and a number of people spoke about her, but at least two people said, that one of the highest compliments that Alison could ever give anybody was that they were kind. There's a pastor by the name of Tim Keller, and um, I've been reading his book, Galatians for You. He's written many good books, and he pastors in New York. And he says this about kindness. It's the ability to serve others practically in a way which makes us vulnerable. It comes from having a deep inner security. It's opposite is envy. Its fake alternative is manipulative good deeds, doing good to others so that I can congratulate myself and feel I'm good enough for others and for God. And in light of that definition, I want us to look at a story that Jesus told. He told this story when he was giving an answer to a teacher of the law who was testing Jesus on who is my neighbor. And so we find this story in Luke chapter 10, um, verses 30 to 35, that's where I'm reading from. So here it goes. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went on his way, on their way, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite. And when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side as well. But the Samaritan, as he travelled, he came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his donkey. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii. He gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So in this story, a Jew is robbed and left to die and two highly respected men just pass by doing nothing. But unlike those men, the Samaritan saw the man, tended to his wounds, took him to an inn and cared for him and offered to pay for every expense. There's so much that we can glean from this story, but what I want to focus in on is the kindness. 
First of all, what we see here is that kindness acts. We can have all sorts of good intentions of kindness. We can be sympathetic and compassionate, have a real heart towards someone. But that is not kindness. You know, the kindness is displayed in action. It wasn't the Samaritan's intent that helped this man. It was the fact he got off his donkey, tended to his wounds, he took him to an inn. That was kindness. And during this season, we have seen so much kindness expressed in action. You know, so many in the church were involved with our Trent Compassion at the Arches, uh, just making sure that at least 15 different food banks are getting the food that they need to feed people who are in danger of becoming hungry in our city. Others are helping us collect food uh, for those who are hungry, and others delivering care packages to uh, frontline workers and care homes. I could go on and on with so many things that, that individuals and folks are doing with their neighbours, friends and loved ones. So first of all, kindness acts. But secondly, kindness doesn't see barriers. You know, when Jesus tells this story, he's highlighting that loving our neighbour includes loving our enemy. You know, the Samaritans and the Jews, they despised each other. And yet the Samaritans didn't see um, this person through eyes of an, this person as an enemy. He saw through eyes of kindness. He saw someone in need, someone who needed help. And so this kindness doesn't consider race or socioeconomic bounds. It doesn't consider education or culture. This kindness sees a fellow human being in need and it responds. Sometimes the barrier to kindness could be an offence. Gunnar Payne was the man who led John Wimber to Jesus. John Wimber was the founder of the Vineyard Movement. Gunnar Payne had a lodger who lived with him and his family, and the lodger raped and killed his daughter. But that was not a barrier to Gunnar Payne visiting the young man in prison. It wasn't a barrier to sharing Jesus with the young man. It wasn't a barrier to leading that young man to Jesus. I find that story so challenging. And yet I've found that actually when someone has hurt me, when I actually stop to be kind to them, it, it actually benefits me enormously. It, it, um, it means that that bitter root of unforgiveness can't spring up. And so kindness is a kindness that sees no barrier. But finally, kindness costs. As Tim Keller says, it makes us vulnerable, it's sacrificial. And it made me think, how often do I show kindness to people when it actually benefits me? But I also thought of when I've not shown kindness because it was gonna cost me. Now, this is a funny story. When I was younger, I was a teenager, um, with my parents and my sisters, we were walking down Oxford Street in London shopping. And uh, it was a wonderful day. And all of a sudden, my dad tripped over and fell in the gutter. And my mother, she just said to us, walk on, girls, walk on. And basically, it was just going to be too embarrassing. The cost of embarrassment to stop and help my father up was just too much in that moment. But I love this account of kindness that costs. This is uh, someone's account of a problematic relationship that they had with somebody in their workplace. And this is what they write. After numerous conflicts that originated with this individual's opinion that I had done or said something that this person thought I should or should not have said, I was quite exasperated. And I put this situation before the Lord. I prayed about how to handle this perpetually conflict-ridden relationship. One day I felt the Lord say, sacrifice. I was puzzled about how exactly to act on that instruction. So I began not just 
praying about the person and the relationship, but for this individual. And that wasn't comfortable at first. My feelings towards the individual had become suspicious, untrusting, disliking. Over the next few days, I felt the Lord nudge me further, sacrifice. So I sent a card of encouragement anonymously. The next week, I sent a small gift that was something related to a hobby I knew the person enjoyed, again, anonymously. The point wasn't to earn brownie points with the person, but to actually make a financial, financial and time sacrifice to extend a blessing. And eventually our ways parted, but before they did, I'd already began to notice a change in my heart about this person. I never felt a warm, fuzzy feeling of friendship, but I no longer felt the negativity and the sense of persecution. It costs to pray for someone who hurts you. It costs to bless someone who is an enemy. And so the story of the Good Samaritan and the cost to him, you see, is actually multiple. But what challenges me the most about this story, uh, I go back to Tim Keller's quote on vulnerability. He stopped on a dangerous road. He helped someone who actually hated him. The other two men we find in Luke, the priest, he passed by on the other side. The Levite, he passed by on the other side. They didn't stop. They didn't make themselves vulnerable. And, you know, we can quickly dismiss these men. Uh, it's easy to condemn them and think, well, of course, what they did was wrong. But I really like what Martin Luther King says. I'm going to tell you what my imagine tells me. This is what Martin Luther King is saying. It's possible that those men were afraid. You see, the Jericho Road is a dangerous road. And I remember when Mrs. King and I were, the first, uh, were first in Jerusalem. We rented a car and we drove from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And as soon as we got on that road, I said to my wife, I can see why Jesus used this as the setting for this parable. It's a winding, meandering road. It's really conducive for ambushing. That's a dangerous road. In the days of Jesus, it came to be known as the bloody pass. And you know, it's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over to that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around. Or it's possible they felt that the man on the ground was merely faking, that he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them over there, lure them into uh, for a quick and easy seizure. And so the first question that the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? And I, I agree with, with what Martin Luther King says there. You know, it's reasonable to think, you know, before I extend myself in kindness, uh, how much is it going to cost? Uh, is it going to compromise me? Is it going to put me in danger or somebody with me in danger? But Martin Luther King goes on to say this about the concern of the priest and the Levite who ask, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? He says, but by the very nature of his concern, the Good Samaritan reverses the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? The kindness of the Good Samaritan reverses the cost count. He counts the cost for the person who needs help. Wow, gosh, how often have I counted the cost to myself rather than the cost to the other person if I don't express kindness? How many folks have I passed by because considerations like safety or busyness or just inconvenience? And you know, in recent weeks, the Lord has shown John and myself the burden he carries for those who have suffered centuries of racial discrimination, who continue to suffer. 
And so I'm asking now, not so much what's the cost to me to um, learn, to understand, to enter in to their perspective and to, you know, allow the Lord to really challenge me. But what is the cost to my black brothers and sisters if their children and their children's children, if they uh, cannot flourish because of barriers in the way, cannot flourish in our city or even in our midst in the church? And you see, I thought things were fine. You know, from my perspective, in my lifetime, so many changes have been made to right injustice, but I wasn't aware of there was so much more to be done. And so my understanding affected how I just passed by, how I didn't stop to tend the wounds or take action. And so as a pastor, I feel hugely challenged. And I just began to think of God's kindness to me, the kindness of Jesus who sacrificed everything when he hung on the cross. And it means that because of his kindness, I can, I can feel conviction because there's grace to repent and to ask for forgiveness and to seek to understand the frustration of my brothers and sisters. Romans 24, Paul is saying to the church, God's kindness, he says, is meant to lead you to repentance. So God's kindness provokes me to act, to do what I can to right injustice in the church and beyond. So it's a journey. It's a journey that will take time. With God's kindness, though, comes hope, hope for an enlarged vision. You know, one small step in the midst of others. Uh, next Saturday, John and I will be attending a Nottingham Citizens socially distanced outdoors public action event in St Anne's, where leaders in local policing and education are making a public commitment to work with Nottingham Citizens to make changes. And we feel it's important as leaders of a very large church to be there to support what is being done. It's God's kindness that provokes us. Now, the Good Samaritan is such an inspiring and challenging story. It's the kindness of the Good Samaritan that Jesus shows time and time again. It's his kindness shining through. And because of Jesus' kindness and because we've invited Jesus into our lives, his kindness can shine through us as we stay close to him. The kindness of Jesus is the kindness that acts. It's kindness that sees no barrier. It's kindness that's cost and it's vulnerable. And you know, as I come into land, one practical step that you could take this week, as you come into your quiet time, as you reflect with the Lord, as you draw close to him, ask him to show you. Ask him to show you who you might express and show kindness to each day or maybe this week. 